morning, everybody. Welcome to TED Talks Ball. We got a special Faithful Friday edition, a special Behind Enemy Lines edition. I'm excited to welcome back Candace Higgins. She's been on the show a few times. Um, great guest, great uh, YouTube and uh, Twitter personality. Also, she does uh, podcasts as well, too. Make sure you check them out. But uh, Candice, um, you know, obviously it's Seahawks week. We got the Seahawks and Niners playing at Levi's this Sunday. I'll be there. Excited to chop it up with you. But, yeah. um, you know, you can find Candice at uh, CandiceH901 on Twitter and X. And then um, also on Twitter X, you can see at Ethos Seahawks. And then uh, the, the link for the YouTube channel is in the description. So you can just click the link. Make sure you give Candice a like and subscribe. We're streaming to both channels, so it's good to, you know, if you're on TED Talks Ball, uh, give Candice a like and subscribe. If you're on Candice's channel, please pop over to TED Talks Ball. Give me a like and subscribe. If you're watching on a browser, open up two tabs. Um, you know, just make sure you mute one of them, or it can get a little confusing with the echo. But uh, you know, it really helps us out. So thanks in advance to everybody for your support on that, Candice. How are you? Anything I may have missed? Anything that you want to promote? I'm gonna go dark just for a sec because I want to turn on those lights behind me, but uh, I, I am right here. So okay, cool. Well, no, it's always great to be on with you, Ted. I always love, it, you know, talking ball with you. Um, it's just always good to talk. It's sort of always just fun to have that rivalry back and forth, but definitely if you are listening um, via Ethos Seahawks, make sure you do give Ted a follow because he's a great content creator as well and always good to keep tabs on our enemies. So um, make sure you give him a follow. He's a cool guy though. So uh, be sure to do that. But yeah, I'm just happy to be on and happy to talk football. Right on, right on. Yeah, it's always good to get, I try to do at least one behind enemy lines every week. Last week, I literally, I think I had six Eagles creators on, which is That's insane. a little much, <laughs> a little eagled out by the end of the week. But you know, I want to hear as many different viewpoints and perspectives outside, you know, because I do all my weekly shows with Niners creators. Well, I have one Browns guy that I do with on a weekly basis, but mostly it's Niners guys. And, you know, sometimes we end up with kind of a little bit of an echo chamber. Uh, and, and I just want to hear from outside perspective of what people think. It's always really helpful to get sort of the unhomer uh, version of, of what the, or sometimes it turned out to be more homer than I am, but, you know, just a different opinion. Um, so let's real quick say hi to folks in the chat. We got Nancy Cameron in the house saying good morning. Nancy is the first member of TED Talks Ball. Nice. So thank you for morning. being here, Nancy. And thank you for uh, being here all along. She's been a really great uh, supporter of the show and uh, you know, a great person. I, I worked with her before in the past. Uh, so uh, really great to have that support. So thanks, Nancy, for being here. Um, so you know, I guess first and foremost, we we're talking a little bit backstage and um, I was saying, like, hey, I'm not, you know, not here to beat up the Seahawks or, or talk trash. If anything, I think that, um, you know, the game might be a little different than it was on Thanksgiving in that, you know, personnel-wise, the Seahawks have some key additions back. I think Kenneth Walker, the, the running back, will yeah. be back. He was limited. Yeah, he's limited in practice uh, as of yesterday. So we'll see what that ends up looking like on Friday. Uh, he's got a shot. Yeah, I mean, I figure if he was doubtful last Thursday, then, you know, a lot of times that's enough time 
to be ready by this Sunday. And then you guys got your bookend tackles back, I think for the first time this season since yep, the Rams since game. One. Yep. The home opener. Yep. Or the, or the well, season we, opener, at least. If it they, well, Lucas played in the Cowboys game, though he did go out at some point in that game, and he is also limited. So we'll Okay. See. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But that's big. I mean, those guys are those guys are good tackles and uh, you know, those were big losses. Those, you know, two things I pointed at when we went on Thanksgiving is like, yeah, just remember, guys, they didn't have Kenneth Walker. They didn't have Lucas at the tackle. And now they both could potentially be back. Plus, I think there's more factors, too, that are not personnel uh, related or uh, that are just more like emotion related. Like, you know, the Seahawks have lost three in a row. I think they're pretty pissed off. The, uh, the Niners on the flip side are just coming off the biggest win maybe the biggest road win of Kyle Shanahan's career. He's up there with yeah. like the New Orleans game, beating y'all in 2019 yeah. to, to get the number one. See, it's like top three or four all time yeah, for Kyle Shanahan. And so they can say all they want about like, oh yeah, we barely even partied on the plane. And we were just like, oh yeah, now it's just, we got to get ready for Seattle. You can say it all you want, but like, and then they said other things that, that I thought were funny. Like Fred Warner does this podcast with his wife and he was like, Oh, you, you mean other people wore black, all black too? Like, I'm totally surprised. We didn't plan that at all. And I was like, come on, dude. Seven or eight of them were in all black. You know, it's like, of course you, of course you coordinated that, uh, the yeah. Philly funeral or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And so it's just like when you get that up for that game, then it's just very natural to have a letdown for the next game. I, I a great example, uh, a show I did this week, uh, yesterday I started doing with the Browns creator. And like that week of the Browns game, I predicted in my article a, a letdown for the 49ers against the Browns because coming off beating the Cowboys 42 to 10. And I'd look back at all these other teams that had come off these big wins and it had big letdowns, including the Cowboys had a letdown after they beat the Jets. They lost the cards. The Dolphins had a letdown after they beat the Broncos, that epic 70 to 20 beatdown. Then they lost badly to the Bills the next week. And the Bills obviously badly beat the Dolphins. Then they didn't lose badly, but they lost to the uh, Jags in London. Right. And I was like, so like, I think three or four of the teams that had had blowouts in the year had had letdown games the next game and actually lost. I didn't say the Niners would lose to the Browns. Um, I just said, I thought we wouldn't win as much as, you know, as well as we did against the Cowboys. Right. I certainly wasn't expecting CMC to get, uh, you know, uh, dinged up yeah. and leave the game. Trent Williams to play on one leg and Debo to get injured and leave for about, you know, three games. Trent Williams obviously left for So then we, then we lost those three games. And anyway, bottom line is it's kind of the same thing this week. I, I, I'm not saying I think that the Niners will lose, but I am saying don't expect it to look like it looked in Philly either. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's going to be, we're divisional rivals. Um, you know, I think the Seahawks have really great weapons with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And now JSN is starting mm -hmm. to take off. It looked like in the Cowboys game to me, yep. uh, you guys obviously have really solid tight ends who can all block and catch the number of world beaters, but really solid. And then, like I said, Charbonnet has been playing well. And then, you know, you get back Kenneth Walker and it's like, even if Charbonnet is playing well, it's good to have, you know, platooning and the ability to give him a little rest, a little breather. At the very least, so you know, Charbonnet is banged up right now. He got banged up in the last game. He didn't. He wasn't able to finish that. Uh, that Cowboys game. That that was really kind of when things went downhill for the offenses. Oh. When he went out and they started playing, you know, D. Day Dallas, he got hurt. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. That's, he got hurt, so he also is limited in practice as well. Uh, oh boy. 
So that's a question mark because right now, I mean, it's DJ Dallas and Kenny McIntosh, who has not played a snap of NFL football to this point, uh, who I like. I'm high on Kenny McIntosh, but I just I mean he hasn't played a snap of NFL football. So I think one of those guys will be available. The question is who um, uh-huh. and, you know, do we get both? And how and, much? And Right, exactly. But both of those guys are banged up right now. If they were both 100%, yeah, that would be a big plus also. Interesting, interesting. Good to know. All right, that all helped me for this. All helps me. I got to write my article today in the night and have it ready for tomorrow, ideally. Um, uh, So always doing these behind enemy lines is really helpful for that. So thank you, Candace. I appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll gain more insights from each other as we go through. We got Silly Fun Guy in the house. He's a Rams fan, but don't hold him against him. He's a pretty good guy. And he uh, also usually has uh, some pretty funny dad jokes. The one yesterday uh, was was probably one of my favorites. He said, uh, "I got I recently was kidnapped by mimes." He said they did unspeakable things to me. And, <laughs> uh, that's great because usually that's the right. dad jokes are like that's more. Good. Yeah, usually they're more punny than funny. Yeah, uh, and those are like you want to play that want 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 track after them, but you know. Uh, the good news is they're usually not very offensive uh, at the very least. So they usually don't piss That's people enough. off too badly by telling them. But uh, Silly says, this feels like a trap game for the 49ers, even though the Hawks have a respectable team. Yeah, I mean, I feel like any team you overlook can be a trap team. I, I will say we're definitely not looking ahead to the cards and like being like, oh, the cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, even though Kyler is back, so that adds a little, you know, and they've been playing a little bit better with him. But, um, uh, yeah, any of these games could be trap games. Uh, Seahawks, Commanders, Rams at the end of the season. I would say, I, you know, Ravens can't be because they're just too darn good. To, yeah. You know, that's one we'd be looking at and overlooking the cards the week before yeah. the Ravens game. Um, I feel like, you know, statistically we have the number one defense. I'm not sure that we do. It, stats can lie. I'm pretty big on that. And I go off the eye test. And our D looked, has looked pretty good, especially against the Eagles. Um, but I would just say if we're not number one, then it's the Ravens, I think. Uh, yeah, would be the number yeah, the Ravens one are beat. Those are guys. They are beasts yeah. right now. No right. doubt. No doubt. Nancy was just saying interesting pattern. Um, I think she must mean in your background. No, I think she was talking about – she put that up when you were talking about the pattern of like – how the big game, how the teams with uh, – Oh, you know, with the letdowns. Yeah, it's very down, common. Yeah. It's such an emotional sport, and when you get really high one week, you usually have a low the next week. It's very much just like, yeah. Uh, you know, same thing happens to people who do a lot of drugs. They get really, really high, and then they come down. They, they have a down after. It's just it's a very natural thing for the human body, for the human psyche and emotion to have happen. I uh, use up all the serotonin, and uh, and then there's none left the next week. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Thanks for helping me clarify that. Um, so yeah, so you know, obviously, um, you know, huge history between the two teams. Um, you know, very interesting that you know the Seahawks were 17 and four against us with Russ, and now 0 and four since Russ left. Um, a lot of Seahawks fans told me they weren't going to miss Russ, but I think against us, you kind of have to say that you do. Uh, no, I still can't say that. Now, now, uh, do I wish we could beat you guys? Yeah, but was it worth the $50 million that it would have taken to keep them? 
No, <laughs> like give me that fifty million all day. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't say I miss Russ. Uh, Plus all the picks and love the, the memories. So what? Plus all the picks and the players. Yeah, like yeah, I can't I can't go quite as far to say we miss Russ, but I think it's fair to say that Russ was really good against you guys. Obviously, that was a dominant record, and without him, I think there's a clear pattern between the two. It just doesn't make me miss Russ. So um, there you go, sir. <laughs> Uh, but but overall, um, yeah, we're, we're, I would say these are this is a tale of two different teams for sure. Like I think to your point earlier, like I don't know if you could have a team in, have two teams at two different trajectories, right? Like Seahawks are really trending down, and maybe that means that they that they galvanize and, and really you know still a win or what have you. That's possible. Not going to overlook that, but I will say just where I am and how I view the team right now is philosophically, I'm not happy with the Seahawks. It's, not, it's really not a question about personnel or talent or matchups for me. Like, it's – I went into this season um, – because we didn't get to talk before the Thanksgiving matchup because it was well, Thanksgiving. But yeah, I went short week. The, I, I didn't right. even write an article that week. Right. We, it's had, just like, too hard to make we had, like, some family commitments. We went to – we got out – I mean, we have a young son. I, I, we had a son born on September 18th. Oh, that's right. You did second child so we haven't been out much and we got a chance to get out on a tuesday night for a cocktail party in the city so we did that and we had some family photos wednesday evening and then i did some shows and i was just like yeah i i just uh there wasn't much time to get no. together that week and i did like i said it was the one week this this year i didn't write an article either right maybe article because it was just i didn't have a chance i'm glad yeah. i didn't because i wouldn't have predicted 31 13 i'll tell you that right now yeah i would have predicted <laughs> a really close game and i would have been way off Kind of like I was with Philly, but I have an excuse for that. And will remind me to come back, but I cut you off. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but no. Uh, so, so really where I am, I went into this season and one of the main things I stood on was for me, my opinion on P. Carroll would be, would be make or break based upon how this year went, because I really, as much P. Carroll has a lot of great qualities overall as a coach, but to me, if he is a defensive coach, he has struggled to put together a defense that has been above average since 2018. And to go that long without a te- without a defense that's at least average, right? Like, I'm like, okay, if he can at least put together an average defense, you've changed the scheme, supposedly. You've changed personnel three or four times. And if you still, at this point, can't get the best out of your defense, then you can't coach. Like, you can't be the coach. It's just that simple. Like, there's no other coach if they're that side of the ball – they're going to be bad on that side of the ball for six years and then still have their job. Like, and so that's what I went into this year looking at. And for the first half of the season, it looked promising. It looked like we were making some progress. I disagreed with several of the personnel decisions that they made. I don't know if you paid much attention, but, you know, we talked at least last uh, last season, we are talking about how we've got all this 4-3 personnel. We want to go 3-4, right? That was a big deal. Having three, four, having four, three guys play three, four, it really didn't work. It's brutal. Right? It's really hard it to transition. It That's was. why we skipped on Vic Fangio this year because he he's a traditional three, four mm-hmm. DC, and it's just like Bosa is the quintessential four, three defensive end. Yep. And exactly. we can explain. I'll explain that in a minute. Remind me to explain that to everybody what the difference is. But go ahead. Yes. But um, what what Pete did, which blew my mind, is they got all his three, four guys right, and so I'm excited. If you pay attention, the Seahawks run primarily four-man fronts. So it's this weird thing where, like, they got three, four guys, and they're playing four down linemen, 
and they got two of them with the hand in the dirt and then two like standing out on the edge. It's, it's really, it's a weird mix. And I didn't understand it when they first started it. It still doesn't make much sense to me. Initially, it looked okay. Run defense was really dominant, you know, what have you. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on in the chat right now. It's really funny. He's doing his dad jokes. All right, let me just do it real quick. Vegetarians regret their lifestyle because it's all a mistake. Oh, I get it. Okay, I said said, because good steak puns are a rare medium done well, so it's rare that they're done well. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, joke of the day. Steve-O was also saying that you're his favorite Seattle fan, and Nancy was liking what you had to say. Exactly, and thank you, Candace. So there you go. Now we're caught up. (laughs) Okay. I was was like, what about what is happening with steak? (laughs) What? But but anyway, um. So, so, so me, to me, um, I think initially it worked mostly because the Chen and Wosu is just really versatile. I feel like he's a really versatile guy who can yes. really make that scheme work, who can make. And he might three, be four, back, four, right? Three. If y'all make the playoffs, is that right? There's a chance he could come back. I don't think so. I don't. Um, I haven't I I saw that when he initially went down. No, he was out for the year. Um, that's why okay. they went ahead and made, well, they, you know, signed Frank Clark. Frank Clark. Whatever that was supposed to do and um <laughs> and then still went out and got uh leonard williams to think they they needed a gap so ultimately what they did was they started playing draymond jones out on draymond jones out on the edge i saw that that's really in, interesting move. The, the, the williams, which actually has worked well i don't think that strategy is bad but again just personnel wise i think i hate the merging of two principles i think you get the work i think you get too many weaknesses that are too many unaccounted that too unaccounted for if you're going to have three, four, and four, three merged in ways. I just, it doesn't work, especially because if you are still considering yourself three, four, which I don't know that they are anymore, that's confusing. Their coverage schemes are still way too weak for me. And that's really where philosophically I'm down against you guys, because I really feel like this team, you're right, has the talent, the personnel to match up with you guys. But I don't think we put our personnel in the best decisions, in the best, in the best positions to really defend. You guys want to get guys out in space, uh, take advantage of the zones, um, really take advantage of the linebackers that we have that can't cover. <laughs> as good as they might be, they can't cover. And it works every time. And I just don't understand why we got man corners and then play them in zone. I just – it doesn't – it doesn't match up to me. Like coming out, Devin Witherspoon was a man corner guy. He was known as that. You got him for that reason, I thought. And then they just don't use them like that. And so then we're still in the same situation where we were. It doesn't matter that our our personnel is upgraded. If we're going to do the same things we did when we didn't have the personnel, then what's the point? So that's really where I am with the team. Um, I'm, Kind of out on Pete, and I hate to say it because I think he brings a lot of positive to the table, but the, the the philosophy of things he's trying to do to mix and match, not be married to any one scheme to try to take different things from different schemes and make them one thing, just makes this defense weak as a whole. More gum for Candace, I guess. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> uh, um, so, so, yeah, that's interesting. You know, the Niners do some of that too. I, I've been really mad at Steve Wilkes for making uh, Mooney Ward play a lot of times off ball when he's really a press, you know, um, man, press zone, whatever. He's got to be able to check the receivers right at the line of scrimmage to impede their progress. 
uh, off the ball uh, for him to be at his best. And so I think some of it is like, you look at what happens like when Jalen Hurts, if you play man against him and they just send all four receivers uh, on go, go routes and then he just does a QB draw on third and long and there's, everybody's got their back turned to him until he's eight, 10 yards down the field. So it's a good way to pick up those third and longs. The other thing too is it can be hard to have a spy when you're in man coverage, but I'm not gonna make excuses for you guys. Um, you know, it, I, I agree. If if with if uh, Witherspoon is uh, is a man corner, man then that's how you should play him, and you should maybe, you know, zone up on the other side of the field or something like that, because uh, it can be done like that. So it's interesting. And then while we're talking about defense, um, I saw that Jordan Brooks got injured in the Cowboys game. Does it look like yeah. he's gonna play this week? He did not practice this week, or at least to this point, he has not practiced. So unless this upcoming report for today comes out differently, I, I doubt that he plays. Which that would, would, be, would be, be a big loss. It, it it would, but it would be interesting because Dev, uh, Devin Bush can is the one linebacker that can cover, and I think when he's been in cover situation, he's really played limited snaps. They really they were high on Jordan, wanted him to come out and play, wanted him to play with Bobby cool but i think the smarter thing schematically would have been to to use devin with to use devin bush in situations where you where teams are attacking you in coverage and so like i said limited snaps really small sample size but he's been the best guy in coverage no question and um he's been good when they played him he's not been a liability or anything he just they just love bobby they love brooks so i actually am curious to see if this changes anything it but jordan brooks being out are does that just does that make us overall more competent in terms of you know over the middle throws can we defend those better i'm I'm hoping so that you know i like jordan brooks a lot but i just wish that we had some more complementary skill sets going on at the linebacker position than what we do yeah, that's a, yeah. Devin Bush, for people who don't know, was very highly drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's now a Seahawk. So there's a lot of feeling that maybe he wasn't a fit for what they were doing in, in Pittsburgh, but he somewhere else, change of scenery might be just what he needs. Hmm. Uh, and like Camps was saying, he's good in coverage. So that's interesting. I didn't didn't uh, think about that, didn't realize that. So so maybe Jordan Brooks won't be that big of a loss as I thought it might be. Um, he be in the run game. But, in the run game. Okay, and that's tough against Bobby, us. But Bobby's we, still there, so, you know. Yeah, like, and he's still great in the run game. Right. And, and a little bit of a liability in pass coverage, so exactly. maybe that coverage might be just what the doctor ordered yep. for the Seahawks defense. Interesting. And earlier we were talking about 3-4 versus 4-3 defenses. Uh, for people who don't know the difference, uh, it sounds like a 3-4 because you're going back from the line to the linebackers. It sounds like a 3-4 has less linemen, but it's kind of misleading because um, when you have a 3-4, you have three down linemen. You have a defensive tackle and two defensive ends, but they kind of all are more like defensive tackles in a 3-4 system mm-hmm. where in a three or 4-3 system with the Niners run, which is like where you got a, two defensive ends and two defensive tackles. And the defensive tackle, uh, so they're just four set linemen. But in a 3-4 the two outside linebackers actually play on the edge and then one of them peels off into coverage on the strong side, usually on the tight end or maybe a back or something like that. So, um, so that's a little bit of the difference. Uh, they kind of both end up with four defensive linemen. 
uh, or pass rushers, you might say, without blitzing. They just do it in different ways. So that's, mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing for sure. Yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Sorry, didn't mean to go go too deep dive there, but but yeah, that, that, and that's a good point. That's really uh, for the Seahawks. They were last year in the middle of making a phil- philosophical scheme change because up to this point, like the 49ers, Seahawks have been exclusively four three, and then they went about deciding to make a scheme change, and then uh, apparently abrupted that one year in like <laughs> one. One year after the experiment, deciding that they're going to pivot back to a weird version. It's really, really what the Seahawks run is neither. It's really neither. In the traditional sense of the word, it, it's really not an either. So I think MP Carroll's talked about it before in press conferences, not scheme last year, but I was saying they took on the Vic Fangio scheme. Well, P. Carroll has said he doesn't really want to take on the Vic Fangio scheme. He wants to pull elements from it and apply it with the philosophy that he knows and is familiar with. And so you get a mismatch match of schemes, which uh, I think leaves more vulnerabilities than what I think they account for every year. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and obviously if you got Draymond Jones out on the, on the edge, uh, that that's not any scheme I've ever heard of. He's definitely <laughs> more of a D tackle. Uh, I mean, there are some D tackles who can play on the edge, but it's, you don't want them there all the time, I don't think. Uh, well, and, 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 let me add this in on, on Draymond. Uh, his most yeah. successful year with the Broncos was actually the year where he played the most snaps on the edge. So interesting. That's the, that's the year that he got the contract. You know, the, the season before he got the contract renewal with them and he played out on the edge and so he was known as a versatile guy who could do both who was theoretically a defensive tackle but if you go back and look at the stats his best years were as a dn so sort of makes sense what they're doing with that it's better than frank clark than frank clark out on the edge at this point but i also agree in the theory that it's not the best use of your personnel either yeah that's too bad you know with frank clark because uh you know i I said, like with Chenna Nuosu going down, having Clark be available like that was like such good luck for the Seahawks. Um, and, you know, obviously he's not Nuosu, or at least not anymore. But, you know, I mean, just have him available. But I guess maybe there's a reason why he was available. And yeah. he's been pretty worthless, it sounds like. Yeah. He, and then there were other people competing for his services. Uh, he did say that. So we weren't the only bitter, but he's. He should retire. He's he's out. He's out of the juice. Out of juice. If you go back and watch the film, I mean, I think he 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 might have like a hurry a game. Like he might average that a hurry. Like not a wow. sack. Not a like not a hit. Like he's really not getting to the quarterback at all. And he's a real liability in the run game anyway. So uh, I'm sort of you know I'm out on him. But I know that they don't have the bodies. So I would rather yeah. see our rookie uh, Derek Hall though and let him get those snaps, but Seahawks feel differently. So Frank Clark it is, but he's got no juice. That's for sure. Uh, that's, that's, I mean, it's a bummer for him. I've never been a really big fan of his just because of, um, you know, the, the stuff that happened with his mm-hmm. personal life and everything. Right. Uh, but he was, was he a Seahawk before he was a chief? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, it was the, it was the Frank Clark trade that allowed for us to have the assets to go get DK. So ah, uh, he had a, I, I could be wrong here, but I want to say a 17 sack season 
uh, 15, wow. 17, something like that. He had an incredible season with the Seahawks. It was in a contract year. The Seahawks did not think he could replicate that. Chiefs did. So they played him this huge contract. Seahawks traded him. And um, I think honestly got better because of that, because of that trade, because he was never able to duplicate. That, that was 2019 that because I yeah. remember we traded for D Ford and a lot of people were like, oh, I wanted Frank Clark. I'm like, the Seahawks were never going to trade us for Frank Clark. Before. Yeah. And the Niners pretty much don't want that type of character uh, risk anyway. But Steve right. Supremo says 24-22. I've been saying 28-20 is what I think the score will be. Uh, Did you have a score prediction for the game? Is it too early? Do you want to talk more about other stuff? Yeah, I'll I'll say – I'll say – I'll say 28-17. I don't think we'll be – Pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. Not, not a complete blowout, but I think our offense may struggle a little bit, especially depending on what our running back situation looks like. Um, I, it could go lower, depending. <laughs> it could get worse for me, depending on if we don't have either Zach Charbonnet nor uh, Kenneth Walker available. That's a big question. But even with just one of them, I really think you need both. Probably. Uh, you really they're different. Both. They're different kinds of backs. Obviously, Charbonnet is a little bit bigger, a little bit better pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker is more of a pure runner. Uh, Steven Suprema says Kyle was fired midseason. Maybe you can get him. LOL. I think that's he was talking about some of the haters were coming out when we went went on that three game skid. Oh, okay. Some people might have said something about fire Kyle. There's more of I heard of fire Wilkes, uh, but I think all those people are eating their words now. I'm glad I wasn't one of them. Um, got Bryant Culp in the house. Say hey, Ted and Candace. Welcome, Bryant. Right. He has a great. He has a great uh, YouTube channel. Make sure you check him out. Yeah. Uh, it says smash the like button, everybody. Yeah, please do. Absolutely. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, as far as, like, the whole being out on Pete Carroll, I can understand that totally, especially when, you know, you're talking about the defense struggling for five, six years, whatever it's been. But it's also what was the defense before that, right? It was the LOB right. defense, all-time historic, great defense, one of the – best of all time so that's a huge discrepancy if you're like the chiefs you never had a great defense you're not you're not missing it as much as the seahawks where i guess that's sort of what uh you know was the cornerstone of those uh uh great years with russ the super bowl win the super bowl appearance uh all that good stuff so yeah i think what we're learning is that that would had a lot to do with the personnel i mean they had hall of fame play I mean a slew of just Hall of Fame capable dudes a couple guys may not make it in just because they don't have the the years like you know Cam Cam Chancellor and all those guys but but really you had so much Hall of Fame talent to make that scheme work which was even known as then a simple scheme Uh, you just had the talent to really bring that out so then what happens if you don't have the talent and you still try to stick with the same philosophy I really think that you know I don't even think we're having this conversation if the defense is average at any point but it really has been bottom five, bottom 10 for like five years straight. And so because of how bad it's been, maybe maybe compared to the Legion of Boom, sure, amongst the fan base, that's a thing. But I just think in general, you know, with the Chiefs, it's it's fine because even though they had a bad defense until this year, he was a, Andy Reid is an offensive guy. So your offense is how you judge him, right? For any head coach, you judge them based off of their side of the ball more harshly, like if, if Kyle Shanahan, you know, when people feel like the the offense isn't doing well, they say fire Kyle because he's a, you know, that's his thing. I don't think people say fire, um, you know, it's 
that's what you're responsible for universally looking at any coach. And so Pete's been the one exception for years, I think, because of the Super Bowl and because this uh, the ownership really trusts him. But, um, yeah, I, I I think I'm at that point. And, yeah, to, to Bryant's point about Jake Bobo, Jake Bobo was awesome. Hey, and he practiced. He was a full participant in practice, by the way, Bryant. So maybe you see Jake. It's just tough because he's got such – you know, great receivers in front of him with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and JSN. But uh, I, I, I guess he he started out. What did he start out a little faster than JSN? Is that what? Oh, happened? for sure. Yep, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was the guy who kind of filled in the role that people thought JSN would fill in, and so um, he just seems to be efficient enough to make it work. Jake Bobo is a guy who I think is so superior at not just running routes but is also really superior in blocking. Now, I was completely wrong on him because I thought that he wouldn't even make the team. His release is so slow in training camp. I was like, there's no way this guy makes it. But, I mean, his route running is just so crafty. He finds ways to get open. And I think most importantly, the Seahawks, with Jake Bobo, they've unlocked the screen game, which has been an issue for Seahawks. If you ever paid attention to Seahawks and the timeline, complaining about screens has been a thing for years. Uh, going back even to the Holmgren days. So, uh, but Jake Bobo is a great blocker. And so I think he saved the Seattle screen game. So despite him having so many wide receivers ahead of him, I think there's still a reasonable expectation that you can see him on the field still sometimes. Interesting. Yeah, I saw on your channel you were talking about the screen game being back after <laughs> being on for so long. So it's, it's been historically so, bad. Jake Bobo was part of the key to that. That's interesting. Yep. Then yeah. Yeah, just sitting high. Uh, he says Jake Bobo is the legit. Yeah, he's he a just Bobo is guy. legit. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's been a Bobo guy since the beginning. I give him that. He called it early, and Bobo does look good for an undrafted rookie. He's giving you much more than what you could have expected. And probably could have given you a lot more in terms of production numbers had he just had the snaps, you know. Yeah, uh, got to get those touches. Got to yep. get those snaps to get the touches. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't oh, have him, Brian. I'm sorry. Damn, Steve. did you see this? I would trade Jennings for Bobo. He would. Like, <laughs> how much Jennings, Would Bobo have stiff-armed that Eagles uh, DB and scored the TD in Philly? I don't know. That was that was pretty huge uh, for third and Juan. Bobo uh, might. I mean, he had that really impressive touchdown. Yeah. Bobo's a guy. He, he for sure is. Um, I kind of forgot he's been injured, but I think he has been, and that's sort of why he hasn't been as much of a splash. And it's good because it gives JSN some time to shine. Um, but I really feel, I mean, overall, the Seahawks do just have a ton of talent. Um, just a matter of, of execution, I think, from a coaching perspective. There you go. There you go. Uh, maybe it's a good time to do a quick commercial break. If you see the uh, logo in the upper corner, uh, the TTG, that's the Travelstead Group. They're a retail and hospitality logistics company. Uh, they do transportation and warehousing for brick and mortar. So they do fixed furniture and equipment. That's FFE. They do operating supplies and equipment. That's OSE. They do new store openings. They do rollouts, relocations, decommissions. So from the first mile to the final mile and everywhere in between, Travelstead has you covered. Let them know how they can help you by air, ocean, or land. Closed Loop Solutions for Retail and Hospitality. The two main go-to guys there are Nick and Henry. Uh, they have 100% U.S.-based uh, support. 
these are complex operations, so there's always like fine tuning going on, but sometimes there's actual snafus. And it's good to know when you pick up the phone, you'll be talking to somebody here, not some call center overseas where they have no clue what you do. The uh, Check out the website. The link is in the description of the show, my YouTube about page, Twitter and X bio. Uh, it's also on Instagram and Facebook if you follow me there. And just click the link, check out the video, and make sure you tell them Ted sent you. So thanks in advance. Thanks, Candace, for letting me pay the bills. And thanks to the audience for uh, your help. If that's something you do, check them out and uh, give them a holler. Uh, even just check out the website. It, it all helps uh, to drive views. So thanks nice. in advance. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a new development since we last streamed together. So Yeah, that's cool. Okay. And also got partial yeah, YouTube you. monetization. I've got super chats now and channel memberships. Uh, Nancy was the first member. And I've got several others as well, too. And uh, so it's, it's fun starting to get to reap some rewards from doing this. And yeah. uh, and uh, you've been a big part of, of that. So thanks, Candice. I appreciate sure. it. Um, you said you want a DTR also, LOL. It sounds like uh, Bryant's a little bit of a UCLA fan. Uh, yeah. Laura Cat in the house. She says, hey, Ted and Candice, love to see smiling female content creators. Yeah. I mean, what I'll say about uh, Candice is like, She's always smiling. Even like last year, she came on before we went to Seattle and, and uh, Brock's second start and beat, beat them there. And she agreed to come on the next week. And she came on and she was still upbeat and smiling and super cool and friendly. And I was just like, wow, what a great, great person. Because like I offered all those Eagles clients. I had six Eagles content creators on last week. I offered them all. I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back. I'm like, well, you better do it, you know, before the game. Because I know how it is. Once you lose, people aren't yep. so eager to uh, to come back. But Candace came back even though she predicted they would lose. And she came back anyway after. Uh, wow. I mean, that's your, your uh, hats off to Candace for that. Uh, amazing. And, uh, and and so knowledgeable too. I mean, it's not just that you're like smiling and just like saying nonsense. Like you got great <laughs> points too, right? I mean, so that's the key. Um, you got the total package, Candace. So thanks. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, Laura. Appreciate you. Yeah, definitely, it's rare to see. So happy to represent. Happy to be here talking ball. So it's always good for me. There you go. Brent Colt says it would be sad, but I would trade Sam Area for DTR. He's the one. Oh, because he, oh, he's missed on that one, Brian. He likes Sam no, Darnold no, too. No. And so no. he calls instead of Trey Area, he says Sam Area. <laughs> and uh oof. he also is you know a big special teams uh fan. He loves mm. Jake Moody. If you've ever seen <laughs> Bryant's overlay, the four corners are all pictures of Jake Moody. That's uh, that's funny. <laughs> two from Michigan and somebody two proud about that third round pick. Happy for you. Yeah, and then he's a big fan, obviously, of our punter, too, and all the special teamers. So he definitely uh, – he likes the underdogs, if you will, or the the, 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 the players less uh, shined upon. Uh, yeah. And sort of the the more obscure, uh, esoteric type yeah. players, and that's awesome. It's a, it makes it interesting, for sure. No one's going to accuse him of front-running, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can respect it. <laughs> <laughs> I can respect it. Yeah, uh, got your kicker and being greedy, lol. Yeah, I, you guys do have a good kicker, right? Myers is pretty good. 
yeah, on even years, he's elite. On odd years, he's inconsistent, but still good. Oh. It's a weird thing. It really is. It's like oh, a, it is. he's like all pro. Like he was all pro level. I mean, I think he led in field goal percentage last year, and then well, that was an even year. So this year, <laughs> this year he misses like some critical kicks. Then he missed a critical kick against the Cowboys. That one really hurt us. Um, but then he had a game one or two. So he's just sort of you know up and down. I like him overall, but he is um he's a stick of dynamite in terms of amongst the the, the Seahawks fan base. <laughs> There you go. Well, we used to say that about the Niners, uh, you know, odd and even years, because Super Bowl in 2019, then COVID year in 2020, oh, yeah. huh. and then, you know, uh, lost to the Rams in the NFC Championship 2021. Yep. And we're like, oh boy, is 2022 going to be a drop off? And luckily, we still made it back to the NFC Championship game. And maybe you could say, maybe might have gone farther if Brock Purdy had stayed healthy. I don't know. I still say it would have been 50 50 last year. Yeah, I'm not one of those. Yeah, I'm not like either. Debo, where I said it would have been a blowout if if Purdy had stayed healthy. I don't believe that myself, but uh, I'm just glad that Debo sort of like walked the talk, and um, you know, he he played like he talked. He talked a lot of smack, and he laid down a lot of smack. So good for him, yeah. and good for the Niners. I was happy to see us get that signature win. I will say, Eagles had no linebackers. That Cunningham was out. They hadn't signed. Uh, Shaq Leonard yet uh, the other one from Nicobe Dean from Georgia mm-hmm. yep. is, is out I think for the year so um, they were definitely a little thin and, and Fletcher Cox was just coming off an injury said so don't I don't think he was probably quite 100% um, but so be it um, do you no? she doesn't miss Russell Wilson actually no. so you I must be late I, I mentioned it earlier about he was 17 and 4 against us now they're 0 and 4 but there's more to life of a Seahawks fan than just beating the 49ers. Well, um, I don't know, but not <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's really not. It. I think I think for most Seahawks fans, because of the price tag, it wasn't worth it. I mean, he wanted right. $50 million a year. Seahawks weren't going to have this roster if they, if they had to. I mean, you either pick one or the other. You pick uh, Russ at his level of play right now, which you could – debate on if that's even good or not and then you've got the right the roster would be pretty bad because they just wouldn't afford to they wouldn't have been able to afford to keep anybody who knows that they even extend dk at that point if they would have given that extension to russell so i think that plus the whole drama of how he left in seattle is also a really sensitive topic most people didn't like his personality because it was robotic and people didn't feel like it was genuine and i think a lot of people were tired of that um so no, I don't. I think if you ask most Seahawks fans, I think like ninety-five percent of them would say they don't miss Russ at all. Mister Unlimited. That, half that would say good riddance. And pretty. the other half wishes him well, but just from afar. There you go. There you go. Um, so as far as uh, other things that we should go over, I mean, like as far as the rest of the season goes, you guys play the Eagles next week, right? Yep, they they flex that out to a Monday night game. Um, apparently, the NFL loves to see the demise of the Seahawks. We didn't get any of our like reasonable winning opponents on <laughs> on live TV on primetime TV. But apparently, all of our games that I think we are going to lose are in public. So that's exciting. I think we had a shot against the Cowboys. I really do. But and obviously, it proved out to be true. But just some tough luck there at the end. And honestly. Um, Probably could have been some better game planning. But um, 
I digress. So that's next. You guys up and then the Eagles. And they do have a soft schedule to end. So I think they'll rack up a few wins to end the season um, overall. But I'm not really high on the team. If they do make the playoffs, if they can scrape into the playoffs, I think they're pretty much food until they can really evaluate how to properly use personnel. I don't think this is a year we can blame injuries. I mean, we do have some injuries, but and we have had really bad injuries up to this point. But I think the second half, I think you got people back in enough time, with the exception of Kenneth Walker, who went down at a bad time. I think you got your tackle back at a good time. Just you didn't really when the schedule picked up. Um, a lot of guys were coming back and just couldn't take advantage of it. So uh, it's all right. We'll see what what moves, if any, they make in the offseason. I'm, I'm curious to see. Um, but, you know, I think you guys are a great-looking team, really. I, I do. Like, I I think if you all stay healthy, you probably go Super Bowl. I mean, go toe-to-toe with whoever ends up being the AFC part, uh, team. And uh, I think that would depend on – you know, we'll see how that will go in terms of who I would pick. But I really think you guys look just like an awesome team. <laughs> just railroaded it through the, the Eagles. And um, I thought that was going to be way more competitive. And so um, you just got to tip your cap. Tip, uh, tip your cap. I thought maybe the CMC move would have been too much uh, in terms of value. You know, for running backs, it's typically not good. But he's been healthy, way healthier for you guys than he has historically. And so you've gotten to see to maximize that. And he really has been a difference maker for your team. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think health is the only question, but it always is, right, for every team. But you guys look great. And so really high on you guys, um, not as high on the direction of my team, at least, like I said, philosophically. But I think my team has great talent. I'm really high on the talent on the team. I, I am. And I'm excited about the talent on the team and seeing how they, um, how they grow because they're still really young. Um, so that's the good news that no matter what happens personnel wise, they've got so much room to grow as a team because of that. But, you know, um, you got to be led in a good direction. So, so you're happy with Schneider, unhappy with Carroll. Yep. Happy with Schneider, unhappy with Carroll. That's a great way to summarize it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to ask that, you know, early. I mean, because clearly they don't have the same uh, personnel as the LOB defense, but. Uh, Cause they were just had, you know, like everybody thinks about that secondary and, and like people are calling your secondary now LOB 2.0, the secondary, but like, obviously it was prime Bobby Wagner back then KJ, Wright, Um, And then like the D line was like, not a lot of superstars on the D line, but there was a lot of like almost stars mm-hmm. or stars. There was a lot ton of depth yep. and you just have wave after wave after wave of really, really good, solid D linemen. I felt like the D-line was always super underrated for, for yeah. the LLB. So I think those are areas where, where you guys are missing on D-line and, and just the age of Bobby Wagner. He's not the player that he once was. Uh, so and he just doesn't have the people around him either. So I, I actually like the D-line pieces. I'm, I, I'm a real fan of the Leonard Williams move. Um, I think he's been really good in his time with us. Um, I was I like worried about that move. move. Yeah. For sure. Draymond Jones, uh, if yeah. you get Chenna back, Chenna was good. I actually, now there are some is, What a huge pickup. You guys going for like a fifth or something from the Chargers? I mean, what a deal that was. No, he was a free agent, so we just signed him oh, on like a, a modest two-year deal. I think, it was, you know, it really was modest, but they re-signed him. I think they've extended him out, so he'll still be a Seahawks moving forward. They extend them this offseason, I think, because this would have been Smart. a contract year. Um, and he started off looking great. So, I mean, even though he did get hurt, I think it was still a good move on their part. Um, 
And so I actually like where the defense, I'm not big on Daryl Taylor personally, and obviously Frank Clark is I'm out on him, but I like some of the, the young talent that they've drafted. Um, there's been a switch in, in recent years if you're not like a close watcher, but Pete was pretty much a lot of people, there's a lot of speculation, and I think some some slight confirmations in-house, and that Pete had a lot to do with who they drafted. So they went a lot of years with a lot of bust in terms of drafting, and I think that had a lot to do with Pete Carroll's fingerprints. Shortly after the Russ, or maybe the year before the Russ drama really started, there was a shift in power, I think, in strategy completely, and John Snyder has talked about the shift in strategy to go best player available instead of just looking for need. I think with that shift came Pete Carroll losing some personnel and sort of based on the way he talks now, he's not, he's a, he gets input on personnel, but I don't think he gets final say the way that he used to. And I think that's a good thing. So you've been able to see these drafts become more successful and then be able to take advantage of that because of the change in strategy. And um, I don't think personnel was Pete's, I think it started, it was a reason why he started off being in charge of personnel, given his connections to college come out of college, have a real insight on these guys. But as years went on, you know, you just lose that edge. So it made sense to have the GM actually be the <laughs> be the GM. And I think John's done a good job since that switch has happened. Good to know. I appreciate this. this is why I love having people on from other teams. They just have that deeper knowledge than you hear about on shows or other, you know, people just trying to analyze the Seahawks from an outsider's perspective. It's yep. good to have the inside juice. Um, so also for the AFC, so you, you like the Ravens. Mm -hmm. What do you think of the Dolphins? I mean, I feel like since they got Jalen Ramsey uh, playing and kind of up to speed and then Xavier Howard back, their defense is playing a little better. That was my big knock on them most of the season was, oh, well, they don't have a championship defense. But maybe they're getting closer to that. And or maybe it's just enough with an explosive offense, the Mike McDaniel offense with Tua, Waddle, and Tyreek Hill, uh, and Mostert, of course. And then I saw, I guess, A Chain's back now, too. Um, so, or A Chain, or however you pronounce his name. But uh, give me your thoughts on the on the Dolphins. I'm, I'm high on their trajectory. Um, they, the, the fact that they really haven't beaten good teams, I think, is hard to ignore. And I don't know if it's a combination of any one thing. I think they have a fairly well-rounded well uh, team there, but it's just – I don't know if it's just experience, right? You know, you've got to take some lumps and understand what it takes to win against big you know, big teams. Sometimes it's just an experience thing. McDaniels is sort of, sort of new. Um, or if it's, you know, maybe some slight personnel tweaks on defense. Obviously, offense is super explosive. That's not the question there. But I like what they have. I just don't know if they're ready to, to take the next step. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I kind of see them and the Ravens as the class of the AFC right now. I'm, I'm a little down on the Chiefs. Yeah. I've said all along, Kelsey is your only elite weapon. Is, mm -hmm. It makes it really hard on Mahomes. Yep. Same thing with Josh Allen and the Bills. All they have is Stephon Diggs as an elite weapon there. Yep. And they lost so many people on that defense for the Bills. Tredavious uh, yeah. White. Uh, Matt Milano, uh, Daquan Jones. I think they lost another corner too, maybe Kyrie Elam too. So a lot yeah, of. I'm, I've never been as I've never been as big on Josh Allen as others either. I mean, I respected him when he was producing well, but I've always sort of had questions. Listening. <laughs> <laughs> not listening. I, I'm, no, like, I, I'm a big Josh Allen. All right. Fan. 
No, well, because a lot of people get on him for those uh, interceptions. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, he's thrown a lot of interceptions. But, you know, if it's like a 60-yard arm punt where it's like a 50-50 ball where it could be a huge play on third and long and it ends up being an interception that's just like a punt on fourth down, like how much are we going to really dock him for something like that? And then the other thing is, you know, like the interceptable balls versus interceptions, right? Because it can be a discrepancy. Like I noticed that this year it came out earlier in the season uh, is before Brock threw an interception, but he had four interceptable balls and no interceptions. I'm like, Oh, lucky, you know? Oh, uh, the, the quarterback now for the Vikings, um, who is with the cards, uh, Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Who is the Browns at the beginning of an off season, then the cards, then the Vikings now, Yep. He had eight interceptable balls and only one – and no, and also no picks, just like Purdy. And like Mac Jones, 14 interceptable balls, only Jeez, four picks. Okay. Yeah, now he's now he's zappied. He got zappied. And then and then you look at some poor schmuck like – I mean, I hate to say Stafford because he's in our division and I do I, – I, I dislike the Rams. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say hate because they're not up there with like Seahawks are my number one and then like Cowboys number two and Eagles have been – climbing up quickly i think they passed the chiefs but the rams are way way further down just because you know we kind of own them other than that one in the championship game we pretty much own them in the regular season yeah um but bottom line is matt stafford had three interceptable balls so one less interceptable ball than purdy but he had five interceptions so it's like you know that's the other thing is like how many were like off receivers hands that should have been caught and ended up being interceptions so it's always in, in, for any quarterback, but that's my sort of excuses, if you'll call it, or reasons if you're a uh, Josh Allen fan. Also, just like I look at what he's asked to do and like how he often has leads the team in rushing yards and stuff like that. And it's just like, I don't know. I just think if we had Josh Allen, I think we would just boat race the league. And then we're kind of starting to do that with Purdy. You know, or we're showing signs that we did. We did obviously against the Eagles, but again, you know, healthier Eagles team uh, playing an NFC championship could could look a lot different. I'm just going to yeah, I, I I'd agree with you there. I, I you know, yeah, part of it is interceptions with Josh Allen for me, but also I don't think he processes the game well enough. Just overall, like part of it is just like just general progression, decision making things. That I just yeah. don't feel like is runs too much is, is, is when stable enough. Played should have let things open up and he just takes off running that type yeah of like yeah it's, it's it's the way he processes the game for me that i feel like will always hold him back from from really being able to be consistently elite um oh. i think he will always have elite moments because he's he really is talented but you know the the way he goes through his progressions to me you know and he doesn't even take advantage of digs the way that he should you know at this point either so i know that coach is under fire for it but i think what Brian Dable was able to do was help Josh Allen process the game better. I think he's regressed in that regard. And so then you see unstable results like he, like he was before. He was inconsistent. And I think that's sort of his – that's where he lives home-wise unless somebody really can stay under him that can help him process the game better. So that's my take on him. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a hater. I just – that no, is fine. That's fine. That's fine. I, I, like I said, I want dissenting opinions. and didn't have you here to like say yes to your grade or everything <laughs> you say is wonderful. Like I like, I like dissenting opinions. Um, and obviously like I had the Bengals 
much higher than a lot of people did this whole season, but now without, well, I'd say, yeah, but now without good. Burrow, but then Browning just comes out and has a whale of a game um, against the Jags. Now, again, uh, again, Trevor Lawrence did get injured. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Uh, maybe not this weekend for the Browns. I've kind of started rooting for the Browns instead of a Browns weekly co-host. But, you know, the Browns are kind of up there. If they could get uh, the quarterback situation. There is potential, but that doesn't run out of time for that. I don't think Flacco is the answer. Um, yeah. And then it's interesting, the, the Steelers uh, I, I, are weird. early in the season when we beat them. And, you know, and I was sort of like, I got in a lot of trouble for like, you know, not being nice to Purdy in the off season, not, not saying he was great. I still haven't said he's elite yet. I still am waiting on that. But like after we beat the cards, um, we we were four and oh, and I was like, yeah, we're four and oh, but we haven't played any contenders. And I said, maybe all playoff pretenders because I didn't really believe the Steelers or the Rams were playoff teams. Yep. And then Kenny Pickett started to play a little bit better. They started to look like and now he's hurt. And now they're, they're, you know, doing terribly, obviously, with uh, Trubisky yeah. uh, losing to the Patriots. I, it's funny. Uh, my my co-host said that to me yesterday. He's like, oh, I think the Patriots are going to beat the Steelers. I'm like, what? Because I wasn't thinking <laughs> Trubisky. I was thinking Kenny Pickett and that defense. And and uh, and not that Kenny Pickett's great, but he was, he was winning. He was doing well for him there for a minute. Uh, anyway, bottom line is, what are your thoughts on the other AFC teams? Jags? Steelers, Browns, um, I don't know. I mean, Chargers just seem like, eh. I don't get the Chargers. I really, that that's the most mysterious team in the league to me at this point. Um, they just, they have so much talent. I know they have some injuries and significant ones, but they really have too much talent to be. Hey, Joe, what's up? <laughs> Joe Stevens, my bud. We tried to get together this week, but Joe's like an evening guy and I'm a, I'm a, business hours guy and so uh there the two shall meet we will eventually but uh maybe i'll see if i can get something for tomorrow joe if you're around um i'll I'll ask the wife at least uh but it's it's tough because we have that young son and uh in you know yep if if i'm not if i'm not uh doing this then i'm i'm on daddy duty most of the time yeah that makes sense that makes sense. Ken Dorsey was the fall guy. I don't know about that. I think Ken Dorsey. I think there was some culpable blame, but I also think so. Part of it, I do think, is Dorsey because you saw Brian Dayball get the most out of Allen. So for that reason, you can yeah. justify hiring him. The question is, will you? Is it that easy to find somebody who can get the most out of Allen? I think that is the bigger question than just Ken Dorsey. So I kind of see both sides. On that one, yeah. Uh, speaking of bills and coaching staff, did you see the um, the what Adam Schefter posted about Sean McDermott? About Sean McDermott? No, the I missed coach. that one. So Ty Dunn, who I believe is a Bills reporter, let me just double check. Um, yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, I'm assuming he's a Bills reporter. Reported that. Um, so McDermott was addressing the team. He told them they need to come together. But then he said he used a strange model, the terrorist of September 11, 2001. 
He cited the hijackers as a group of people who are able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks to perfection. One by one, McDermott started asking specific players around the room questions. What tactics do you think they used to come together? A young player said, uh, he said, what do you think their biggest obstacle was? And he said, a veteran said, TSA. That is pretty wild for a coaching reference. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that. No, that's that's uh, that's like, uh, what is it? The John Gannon, you got fire in your gut. <laughs> that's that's uh, just as strange uh, to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when he gave that address, I'm like, yeah, oh, the cars. Yeah. You could hear a pin drop in that room. Yeah. <laughs> they could run through some butcher paper for that man, you know, like it's a wall. Right? Here. Yeah. Did you have uh, fire in your gut? Like that was anyway. I, I think Brian says he likes Alan. Weird. Good. I like Alan too. He, I mean, fantasies, you know, Hasselbeck I mean, better than Birdie. What are you talking about, my man? Hasselbeck. Yeah. Damn, that's harsh. That's I'm not harsh. sure I can. I don't even think I can. As a Seahawks fan, I don't think I can hop on that board with you. Yeah. I mean, Hasselbeck was cool, but also, yeah, I don't know. I guess if you deep dive, I do I mean, think Purdy it's is a, hard. Is a, is it's a hard to evaluate Purdy because yeah, his we have the Avengers. You yeah, know? his situation is so. We have Debo, we have Kittle, we have Ayuk. Right. And uh, Grant Cohn did an interesting article about like who's the Niners' best weapon. And ultimately, like, um, four games this season, it was Debo. Four games this season, it was CMC. Four games this season, it was Kittle. Or maybe it was Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, and then CMC is just the consistent one all the way across. Right. And it's just like, so you, it's people said all along, like, pick your poison offense, right? And I always just say, like, you know, if you're dealing with a poisonous snake, what do you do? You cut the head off. So, Get some pressure. So I, I've been saying all along our weakness on our team is our, our O-line, yeah. specifically the right side. Spencer Burford, second-year player at right guard, he's he can be had even when he's not, you know, getting blown you know over as a blocker. He's committing penalties a lot of the time. And then McKibbitts is a decent pass blocker but not very good in the run game. So um, – that's definitely the weakness of our team. I was saying Isaiah Oliver at nickel, but then we moved Lenore from the boundary to the nickel, and then we brought in Ambry Thomas to play a boundary. And Ambry's been Lenore's been doing incredible, and Ambry's doing pretty well. And so um, I don't know that there's really any holes in Jair Brown, the rookie filling in for Hafanga, has been doing well. Right, uh, he's had fair. some mistakes, but like I don't think anything worse than what Hafanga was doing. I mean, I think Hafanga's a better leader, right? Um, but they were, they were kind of clones to begin with, you know, the, the Hafanga and Jerry Brown, they were both like four, six. So technically slow as track speed goes, but they played with anticipation. So they played much faster than the track speed, both ball Hawks to get interceptions, but not really good in coverage. Um, both big hitters, but not really good tacklers and both right. great blitzers. And it's just like all those things you could just, if you had a chart of all these things, like they're, they look exactly the same, except for maybe Jerry Brown's a little bigger than Hafanga. He's a little undersized. But uh, anyway, it's kind of interesting. It's interesting as we come into, like, do we extend to Fonga, Ayuk, Chase Young now there's a question about, like, does he want to stay? Will he take less to stick with his Buckeye bookend Bosa? I don't know. We'll see. Is that is that been as dominant as you hoped? I haven't, really haven't paid. Chase Young's been really big. I mean, 
I've been saying all along, like I thought the biggest thing was getting Isaiah Oliver off the field, uh, our nickel corner, because any fast uh, slot receiver, once he got a step, was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, also, moving the corners up. Remember, us, uh, we were playing a lot of almost quasi-prevent defense, way off the ball. And right. Mooney Ward is best when he's right there on the line of scrimmage to um, – you know, getting the impede the receiver's release. So we've been doing more of that. I think those two things are at least as important as Chase Young. Chase Young's really important. Also, Wilkes came down from the booth to the field. I didn't think that was necessary or would do much good, but I think it's done at least some good, at least for sure. Right when he did it, there were reports the players were really, uh, you know, appreciative of it. And he was, you know, fired up. I was worried that he was too stoic and was it going to be more like a thief of joy there on the sideline? But uh, it seems like he changed up his his persona to get down there, coming down there. So that's been working well too. So it's sort of the, all four of those things. Yeah, okay. uh, have been working well for the Niners. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I do. I think that was would have been the weaknesses I came into the season. Like, okay, secondary, a couple questions there, and then the O line. But it seems like that stuff has been shored up. And I think you just negated your O line liabilities by just getting the ball out fast, which makes sense. Um, so. Oh no, Joe! Oh, <laughs> oh, Joe! No way! No way! Prez, Prez no, is going to get I you. Ten on a fight? Absolutely not. That's despicable. Despicable. Right, Culp says, "I it's love the culprit reference. Culpable means fault to blame. Culprit. It's, it's my fault. It is your fault, Brian. I blame you for everything, even the winning. So you get you get blamed for that too. Uh, totally fine. Family over everything. There you go. Yeah." It's, uh, it, you know, family first, happy wife, happy life, as they say. So, yep. Oh, funny story. Uh, yesterday, I was out with my son. We went to the park. We were running our cars. And then, like, we always go wherever we run the cars. We go to places that play structures, too. So, you know, after he runs the cars for a little bit, he can go play with little kids on the play yeah. structures. So then I'm, like, out just outside of the play structure fence and uh, running the cars around in and, and this little – uh boy with his grandmother is they're walking and and he's like looking like he wants to and i was like oh yeah you want to try you can do the you can do the steering and i'll i'll do the gas for you and like just leaning down to like let the kid try the rc car all of a sudden my son's just like ah daddy daddy i'm like what happened he's like a squirrel bit me and like his fingers all bloody and and i was just like oh man it was like crazy because he was like holding like a Tupperware full of like little cheese crackers. Oh. And so the squirrel kind of came up and he <laughs> went for the squirrel and the squirrel bit him. And like, so everybody's like, oh, baby's right. Like, ah, it's not a rabid squirrel. I saw the squirrel after he looked, he wasn't like foaming at the mouth or anything like that. He yeah. looked just, you know, he was just chilling. And um, anyway, I was like, well, son, it's not really the squirrel's fault if he's doing what his instincts tell him to do. Like when you reached out to pet him, he probably thought you were trying to kill him. And, and my son said, Daddy, I was trying to kill him. I didn't want him to take my crackers. <laughs> oh, <man. That's> <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're, we're keeping an eye on it, obviously, uh, to see if it gets infected or if anything happens. But it, it, it was a fair amount of blood. But, you know, by the time we got home and washed it up, it was just like a little nick. It was pretty yeah. minor. Um, and so as I was trying, I was like, you know, you can't be mad at it. It's not the squirrel's fault. You know, we can't be mad at the squirrel. We can't say we're not going to go back to that park. You know, there's nothing you you learned a good lesson. So I said, son, you don't I never get close to a wild animal, right? And and also we've been trying to 
bang this one home for a while. Like, don't eat while you're playing and don't play while you're eating. Yeah. Like, eat your food and then play and then separately. Play. Don't don't bring your toys to the dinner table. And, and, and like, here's another good example of like eating while you're playing and it, and it, and it really bit you not in the face but on the on the finger. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of funny. Um, funny. He says, I want to see Jamal on the bench Sunday. Absolutely wow. not. Wow. Absolutely not. No, he's just, not. he's just trying to rile you up now. No, I don't know why. Now, I think he's serious. He's super he serious. He tackles on one play. Wow. Well, that's good recovery, then I'd say. I mean, I mean, I mean yeah, he gave up the he gave up some of the touchdown in, in the end, but like I also think Kobe Bryant 100% gives that up. Like, there's, there's just no yeah. way. Like, I mean, it's just a good thing you guys didn't trade like two firsts and a third for him and pay him a gang of money, right? I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, <thing>. but, <laughs> yeah. But I, Kobe Bryant was quite literally like the sixth worst worst cornerback in in the league um, when he was playing. And Jamal Adams, though he might have his flaws, still battles out to be good at the very least. Is he worth the money? No, he's not worth the money, but he is actually good and Kobe Bryant is quite literally one of the worst cornerbacks in, in in football and I think he would be far better at safety they put him in safety in training camp for a reason because I think it better fits his skill set um but even then he still had issues in coverage even more so than Jamal Adams because he's just so undersized that he doesn't have the arm length to break up some of those tackles um Jamal is not terrible Jamal is good but jamal has high expectations so he's not worth the money he's being paid <laughs> now he's serious he, he really he was low on jamal anyway and so like yeah. you know i get it he he's overpriced he 100 is overpriced i'm not going to tell you he's worth the money he's being paid but i also think you could do a lot worse and i've seen this team with bad safeties and it's bad like it's hard to watch we yeah. we are disappointing defensively right now but like that's just – it's not even quality NFL football. Um, we don't have good safeties. So Seahawks maybe um, over-invest a little bit in their secondary. Niners maybe over-invest a little bit in their D-line. Yep. I would love to see us invest more in our secondary. Ever since 2020 when Bosa went down and we had um, – what you call it? Obviously, we had uh, J- Jimmy Ward, Joukowsky Tart, but we also had uh, Jason Verrett. Mm, and one of his yeah. only healthy yeah. seasons ever. He, yep. he, and he wasn't 100% healthy. He played 13 games. Right. But like he somehow we managed to have a top five defense without Bosa and with Sherm out for most of the season. Yep. And, and it just showed me like secondary is so important. And it's just like we just constantly know somehow now ours is doing well with, with some late round picks and whatever. But like just watch when it's time to pay them, they're going to, they're going to end up on the streets because we're not going to, we won't invest in our secondary like we do in our yeah. D line. Yeah. It's like, funny, we really, we feel like we need to balance out better. And I think this year it is more, more balanced in terms of salary though. I think it's more balanced in talent. I don't think it's more balanced in like where our resources are going for sure. No way to argue that. Now Jamal is struggling with tackling one. He literally came off of an injury that like most people don't come back from. Um, two, he's actually been better in coverage because of it. So, like, I feel like people should pick a side because everybody's complaining about how bad he is in coverage. He's actually been really good in coverage with the exception of giving up that touchdown. And and now he just, yeah, he struggles to tackle. But um, I think he'll be fine with a full offseason, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. Who's Oliver? Isaiah okay. Oliver, the one, I was, the terrible nickel oh. I was telling you about. 
Sounds like they're probably about right. Sixth worst. That's probably about right. I think Isaiah Oliver <laughs> is just worst worst. But hey, um, Joe says Lan Lan Lano Hill is better than Jamal at this point. Ha ha ha. Yeah, no. He's on the cut and we will take him. Absolutely. We're, we're real thin at, at safety because we lost to Fonga with the ACL. And then uh, George Odom, who's our safety, backup safety and special team star, probably our best special teamer, uh, Torres bicep i believe or his peck um um i think it was uh thanksgiving i think it was uh at seattle so he's gone at least till late late you know maybe super bowl if we make it that far but uh we're, we're dangerously thin at, at safety that's why we signed logan ryan this week yeah. uh, I think he's i think yeah. he's pretty over the hill uh, yeah, other, than, other than his depth that doesn't um, matter, but we wouldn't i wouldn't cut him i'd trade him but I wouldn't cut him. I, I don't. I'm not that low on him to just cut yeah. him. Yeah, Kobe Bryant, future 49ers safety. You heard there, him. I heard him. Ain't no way. If they didn't I cut LJ Collier Bryant, I can assure you that they're not cutting Kobe <laughs> Bryant. <laughs> LJ Collier, what a great first round pick. Yeah, Cardinal now. Cardinal. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. They 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 grabbed a lot of our scraps off of the uh, cut pile this year. Two they or three of our guys that we liked. I think yeah. we got one of them back. We got Il Manning back, so we were happy about that. Uh, who's an offensive lineman? Who's his little? He's undersized. He's six two, but yeah. he does well. So we'll see. Well, um, anything else that we should go over? I think we've kind of covered everything. Um, any burning desires? Everybody, make sure you follow Candice at Candice H nine hundred one on Twitter at Ethos Seahawks on Twitter. And then our YouTube channel is down below in the description. Click the link. Yep. Give her a like, give her a subscribe. Um, and uh, we'll have to do this again soon. I mean, if you want to come back next week, I'll definitely commit even if we lose. But I'm, we can be I'm, not, I'm not I'm not passionate enough about the Seahawks to think and to talk to talk after a loss because I really do feel I do predict you guys are gonna win. I think we uh what did I say 28, 17, I think is my prediction. Yeah, that's guys. fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and by the way, guys, uh, if you are following me, most of my football content is on Ethos Seahawks, uh, but I do do NBA as well. That's more gonna be on my personal page. So you can follow me, just have that in mind. But um, but yeah, man, I, I think you guys are a really good team. Um, I'm predicting a loss here, hoping we can be competitive. Um, and maybe they pull out a surprise win, but for me, it won't change my outlook on the season at this point. Well, uh, that's understandable, but I, I have a feeling it's gonna be closer than some people think just because of this, uh, you know, I think that the Seahawks are tired of losing. I think the Niners might be a little bit too much believe in their own press, uh, too, uh, too much hype going on. Uh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Joe said, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Joe's with us. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, Jamal and I, Jamal and I, Jamal and Kobe are. That's where we. It's a clear divided line there. We we disagree. <laughs> <laughs> we agree on a lot of stuff. That's the most people are with you, Candace. Joe, <laughs> Joe, you know, I love okay. Joe, but yeah. you know, yeah, he's off on this one. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe he'll be proved right. We'll see. Uh, Hey, well, thanks everybody for joining. Um, thanks to the audience. We had a great participation. Yeah. Uh, really kept things lively and interesting. Uh, I'll just say peace and go Niners. Do you want to give us a go Hawks? Go or? Hawks, absolutely. All right, right on. Thanks, Candace.